Good morning, Charles Richard. So glad that you guys are here with us this morning. Hey, if you remember from a couple weeks ago, our Hope Sunday, uh, if you're a Covenant member, you should have received a $50 gift card in the mail that was the remainder of our COVID care fund that you guys gave to. And we gave that to our Covenant members either to use if you needed it or to bless those around you in the community somehow. And we've set up an anonymous form if you'd be willing to just let us know how you spent that money to bless somebody uh, close to you, we would really, really appreciate that. You can find the link in the chat. Uh, we do have a goal to use that money up before Easter, which is coming very quick. So uh, be brainstorming and, and please let us know uh, anonymously again how you uh, have used or will use that money to bless those around you. Uh, secondly, for, for the River Kids, we have some great activities this morning. There's a video uh, and you can check that out by clicking the link in the chat. You can save it for after the sermon or uh, set your kids up with a device and let them watch it right now. Well, listen, we have a great morning for you. Say hello to somebody in the chat. We're excited uh, to see what the Lord does in and through us today. But just take a minute there in the chat, say hello, and we'll be right back in a minute.
O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Guys, he does this for us on our behalf. This is what he does. Hey, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Hey, so you take what the enemy? You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Hey, hey, you take. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good.
troubles. In all my pains, I'll see a victory. Well, thank you guys for joining us today. If we've never met, I'm Josh, one of the pastors here at the church. Guys, the countdown is on. After a year of on and off being church online and, and somewhat in person, uh, we are now two weeks away from kind of scrapping all of this and coming together Easter outside in the parking lot and then spring outside in the parking lot. And so we are just so excited about it. Uh, things are starting to move in the right direction. I was able to get my vaccine a few weeks ago. And uh, then I woke up the next morning, sick as a dog. The next day, also sick. The next day, also sick. The next day, also sick. And I began to think maybe this wasn't effects of the, the vaccine. I went and got a COVID test and sure enough, I got COVID. So I made it all the way to my first dose of the vaccine, woke up the next morning and I had COVID. But happy to report, doing well, the family's all well, I quarantined from them for quite a while and none of them have it. And our connection group took really good care of us. And so I thank you guys for those of you who are praying for us. We are now officially moving uh, in the right direction. As a city, we took a big step this week as the kids got to go back to school, at least for a couple of days. My daughter was just so excited to be able to get some time with her friends. And uh, with that, the, the students going back to school in Boston, I thought it would just be a good time for us now just to take a minute and just to acknowledge our educators. Uh, we are so grateful for you guys. Our church has so many educators. We have public school teachers and private school teachers and professors and administrators. And uh, we just want to say we love you and we are so deeply, deeply grateful for you. I uh, have sat in on a number of Zoom calls with my own kids and uh, listened to what the teachers have to endure. And you guys are absolute rock stars. Uh, my wife is a, a teacher for sixth graders, culinary arts, and consumer education. And so instead of uh, the kids cooking from their stations or their stoves at school, my wife is directing tweens who are playing with fire from their stoves at home, and she's watching them on Zoom. In fact, I heard her uh, just the other day say, say, I see smoke, I see smoke, you need to turn off your burner. And uh, one of the kids is, I guess, about to burn her house down. Uh, but the teachers are just dealing with all kinds of distraction and uh, you've made it. So thank you, teachers. We love you. We just want to honor you. Uh, I know a little bit of it myself, uh, preaching, learning to preach to a, a camera and just all of the the distraction. Some of the guys behind the camera here can remember uh, one time we were uh, in Fenway filming and I was almost finished with my sermon and we're on the second, maybe third floor and someone's outside uh, trying to get into the building and they hit the buzzer and just right at the end of the sermon and I had to start over. Or you've heard uh, in this building, it seems like every week uh, sirens will, will happen somewhere in the middle of the sermon because we're next door to a hospital. So uh, kudos to you teachers. You guys are amazing. We're really grateful for just how you are, are pressing through uh, in this, this unique season. Uh, but today we get to look at uh, a story of Jesus doing the teaching, Jesus uh, doing the preaching, and there's this massive crowd around him just eager to listen in on what he has to say. And his distraction is when he is preaching, suddenly a little bit of dust comes down, and then a little, I imagine, like a, a ray of light, 
and then a lot of light, and a hole opens up in the ceiling, and suddenly they let down a paralyzed man right in front of Jesus. How's that for distraction? So teachers, Jesus feels uh, your pain. He's been there himself. Well, we're going to be in Mark chapter 2 today. We are continuing a series of messages that we're calling the Bringers series, and we are gearing up for Easter Sunday. Easter, obviously for us as followers of Jesus, is a big deal because if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, everything that he said is kind of ridiculous, right? Because it all was ultimately pointing to uh, him coming back from the grave and being victorious over, over sin and death. And so Easter is a big deal for us. Uh, some statistics will say that nine out of ten people will say yes to an invitation on Easter Sunday if only somebody would ask them. Now, I don't know if COVID affects that statistic at all, but we're going to be outside and masked, so I think we're going to be, we're going to be okay. So invite your people, begin to pray for who you're going to invite uh, to Easter Sunday. Uh, in the New Testament, uh, we see countless stories of people who were just so moved by Jesus that they just have to bring someone along with them to see Jesus, to meet Jesus for themselves. A, a phrase Kevin introduced you to last week and we see often in the life of Jesus is come and see, come and see. We want you to come and see him for yourself. But the story we're going to look at today, uh, it's different. It's, it's different uh, because a simple invitation won't do because the guy who needs to come and see Jesus, well, he can't walk. He's, he's paralyzed, so a, a simple invitation wouldn't do. There, there is more required than an invitation. This requires some ingenuity. So here we are uh, looking at another set of bringers. Let's read Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It says, And when he, that's Jesus, returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So Jesus has now made his home base for ministry in Capernaum, where uh, many of the disciples live. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. So we have four men who work together, collaborate together to bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus. Despite the crowds, they're going to get him to Jesus. But when he saw their faith, he says, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, what does their faith, the friends, have to do with the paralyzed man's sins? Is it possible that your faith doesn't just affect your life? Is it possible that, that your example also affects more than your existence? He saw their faith and said, son, your sins are forgiven. Let's, let's read on, picking up in verse 5 again. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man, that was his name that he often referred to himself as, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. I love this story. It may be familiar to uh, many of you. Uh, such, a, such a powerful story. And, and what Luke has done is he's uh, taken some, some real stories of the life of Jesus and, and kind of strung them together so that we could learn a little bit about who Jesus is and, 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 and what he's up to. So after all the faith and the ingenuity to get this man right in front of Jesus, what do you imagine that uh, those four men who were bringing their friend to Jesus were expecting to hear from Jesus? What were they expecting to hear from Jesus? They were expecting to hear from Jesus, son, you're, you are healed. Son, you are healed. But what did they actually hear from Jesus? Son, your sins are forgiven. 
It's not what they were looking for necessarily. Why? Because though he's paralyzed, this man's greatest issue wasn't his legs. His greatest issue was his heart. That like all of us, his heart is full of sin and that keeps him separated from a holy God. And so Jesus addresses this man's heart and forgives his sins. Now, uh, in Luke's account of this very same story, he tells us that religious leaders had come from far and wide to see Jesus. And so all these religious leaders, scribes, Pharisees, uh, leaders are, are listening in and they start to question Jesus in their hearts, we see here. Thinking he's blaspheming. He, he's saying he can for, forgive sins. And so what Jesus does is really unique here. He calls them out. He said, what did you say? We didn't say anything, Jesus. What are, you, what are you talking about? But Jesus knows our thoughts. You cannot fool God. He says, what did, what did you say? Oh, uh, we didn't say anything. He says, no, no, you are questioning me in your heart, asking who do I think I am? Am I God that I can forgive sin? Well, watch this and I will show you. And he tells the paralyzed man right then and there, stand up and go home. Wow. Okay, so he, he is God. Verse 12. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. It's an amazing miracle. It was a life change, total life change. His heart, his body, just complete transformation. But listen, it wouldn't have happened if it weren't for these four men, these bringers. These four men who knew that their faith didn't just affect their own life, but their faith had the power to affect the lives of other people, in this instance, this paralyzed man. It's interesting that this famous miracle almost didn't happen. This paralyzed man almost didn't have his entire life changed. Why? Back to verse 2. Because many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. This miracle almost didn't happen because there's a big crowd around and they're blocking people from getting to, to Jesus. And so Jesus is inside of his house and the house is completely full and it's overflowing with people to the point that people are even blocking the door. There is no more room. And we're not talking about just one person who might be able to kind of squeeze through the crowd like maybe you've done at a parade just to get uh, to the front there. We're talking about four men and a stretcher. There, there's no more room, not even at the door. These guys carried this man for, we really don't know how far they have carried this man uh, to get him to Jesus. We do know from, again, in Luke's account in Luke chapter 5, that teachers and Pharisees have traveled from all over the, the region of Galilee and all over the region of Judea and even as far south as from Jerusalem. That's 79 miles to get up there to, to see Jesus. So who knows how far these guys have carried this paralyzed man to get him to Jesus, lugging him maybe from village to village to village until they eventually get to Capernaum. But when they get there, they finally get there, they can't get to Jesus. I mean, how disappointing would that have been? How discouraging would that have been? All this hope and anticipation and they get there and they can't get them there. That's like running 26 miles of a marathon and then you can't get to the, the last, it's 26.2 because there's a, a roadblock. 26 and what do you do? You just you quit? You turn around? You go back? No, of course you don't do that. What do you do? Throw your hands up in the air and say, well, I guess it just wasn't the will of God. I guess it just wasn't supposed to happen. What do you do? you find another entrance. You find another entrance. If your faith has any kind of grit, you don't just say, oh, well, I guess it wasn't supposed to be. It wasn't God's will. You keep trying. You, you find another entrance into the house to get to Jesus. When I get to heaven, uh, there, there's some people that I want to meet. I, I say that a lot. Uh, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask this person. You ever do that? Uh, when, I, when I get to heaven, I want to meet the one guy of the four guys who spoke up. I just imagine he's kind of the, the gritty Boston guy. You know, he's born and raised Rosie who speaks up and says, Hey, boys, look around back there. See if there's any cameras. We're going to find another way in. 
many bouncers. We're, we're, we're going to get ourselves in there. I don't even think the, the roof necessarily was, was probably even option number two. It wasn't number one. They, they wanted to get through the front door, and they probably explored some other options. Let's look around back. Can we get in, Can we get in that way? I mean, who knows? Maybe they were like, hey, let's dress up like maintenance men and, and see, oh, we're just, we're just here to work on the, the plumbing. You know, I don't know. They're trying to, trying to get in the building. Uh, but, but eventually, they say, we got to get to the, we got to get to the roof. I, I've not been praying for my friend and, and working to get my friend here to Jesus only to hear one no, you can't get in and give up or two no's even and, and just give up. What do you do? You find another entrance and if that doesn't work, you keep going and you find another entrance. But I think so often we just say, not meant to be, I guess, and we, we quit. No, when you've been praying for something for a long time and pursuing something and, and asking God for something, you don't, just, you, don't just, you don't just quit. It's a battering ram of prayer, just pounding, pounding. Lord, please, Lord, please, I trust you. You can do this. I trust you. I need you. And you just keep going. You just find another way in. As you read the Bible, it is clear that God is constantly working every single angle, every single opportunity in our lives to build faith within us. You think just letting them in the front door easily every time is going to build faith? No, we need to hear some no's. We need to learn to be patient. We need to learn to, to wait on the Lord and develop that, that faith that doesn't quit, that gritty faith. I read my Bible and I hear some stories and, and, and I know about God's power and I know he can do this and so I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to take no for an answer. I'm going to find another entrance. Here's the big idea for today. Life's greatest opportunities aren't always obvious. Life's greatest opportunities aren't always obvious. Can anybody agree with me from your own personal example? When God, his way that he, he has for you, it wasn't the obvious way. It wasn't the way that you would have thought, well, this is how it should be done. It was maybe different than what anyone would have expected. Life's greatest opportunities aren't always obvious. And it's all over the Bible. I mean, you just read the Bible. It's everywhere. Moses, God says, hey, that stick right there in your hands, there's going to be a lot of power in that stick. Wait, a stick? That wasn't what I would have imagined. Jonah. God uses Jonah, this reluctant prophet, to rescue a people who are far from him. If I were God, good thing I'm not, but if I were God, I would have probably chosen an eager prophet. Or think about Esther. God saves his people from genocide through a young girl who had been taken advantage of by a, a, a tyrant. Jesus makes water, or wine from water. Jesus uh, feeds 5,000 with a boy's lunchable. I mean, Jesus himself, God's answer, wasn't the obvious answer. You would think that the Messiah would come through a palace, but instead he comes through uh, a stable. It's all over the Bible. This is how God operates, that the greatest opportunities aren't always obvious. I mean, after the fact, they're obvious. Oh, yeah, yeah, that would make sense. He should walk on water. Or, oh, yeah, a stick to part the sea. Or, oh, yeah, come through a, a virgin. And, and that wasn't obvious. It caught everybody by surprise, so, that, so much so that so many people missed the Messiah because they were expecting the obvious, the, the king would come uh, in, in a palace. Now, there's an obvious way to get their friend to Jesus. That's through the front door, but the front door is blocked. So they start to try some things until finally, aha, the roof. Let's go through the roof. And that day there would have been stairs along the side uh, in, in some houses so that you could get up to, to the roof. And they, they carry this man up on his mat and get him to the roof. And they dig their way through. They move the tiles and they get him down. Question, what are the obstacles? What are the obstacles in your life that are keeping the people that you love from Jesus? I imagine we all have some obstacles. I have some of my own. I have a family that I'm praying for, they're, they're Jewish, they're, they're family of origin, that just is not even on their radar screen. It wouldn't be an option for them. 
or this, this person is so loaded, they have no sense of any kind of need. They, why would they even need Jesus in their mind? Or I can never bring her because, you know, she can't come to Jesus with me because she works on Sundays. Or, well, the obstacle is it just makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable to have that conversation. I don't want to be that guy. Or an obstacle might just be, you know what, I tried once and they weren't interested. So what do I do? Do I give up? Do you give up because of obstacles? Let me, let me give you a more pointed question. Here's a more pointed question. Are they really insurmountable obstacles or convenient excuses? Are they insurmountable obstacles or convenient excuses? My boys are gearing up for baseball season. Love the spring. We get ready for, for baseball. And so my oldest, Isaiah, asked me, he says, hey, Dad, would you help uh, create a training plan to kind of help me get myself in shape for baseball? He knows that I'm a, you know, as a runner, I always put together training plans. I post it on the refrigerator, and I'm like checking off boxes every day of the different things that, that I'm, I'm doing. So he says, hey, would you do one for me? I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. So I put some running on there. I put some sit-ups and some push-ups and some leg lifts and some burpees and some lunges and some squats and all kinds of different things, some, some weightlifting. And then my other son, Lucas, says, hey, dad, would you do the same thing for me? And now they got like this friendly rivalry going. It, it's great. And I told him up front, I said, listen, if I'm going to do this for you, um, do you want me to hold you accountable to it? And they're like, yep, yep, please. Especially Isaiah. He's kind of like me, very, very driven. And he says, hey, yeah, hold, hold me to that. That, sound, that sounds good. And they're doing really well with their training plan, except on Tuesdays. Because on Tuesdays, Every Tuesday, I gave him a little bit of a longer run. You're going to run a couple of miles <clears throat> on Tuesday. And it's funny how every single Tuesday, there's some kind of insurmountable obstacle that just keep, they can't run today. Uh, Dad, it's so cold outside. I can't, I can't run today. It's just way too cold. Do you remember that we bought a treadmill? It's in the basement. Go run. <laughs> or, or Dad, you know, uh, I got homework to do. You knew about that homework all day long. Uh, you can you can go run, or uh, I you know I can't find a clean pair of socks. I mean that's literally been one of the excuses. It's just ridiculous, right? Uh, you've never done that, have you? Ever had kind of a, a ridiculous uh, excuse? Maybe there's been a meeting that you just didn't want to go to, and and you had like a little tickle in your throat, like I just did there, and you're like, oh, I guess I'm I guess I'm sick. I guess I can't. <laughs> How convenient. I can't go to that meeting. Oftentimes, what we maybe are, are saying is an obstacle is actually just an excuse. There is one Bible verse that I think really crushes all of our excuses. It's in Luke chapter 1, verse 37, really at the beginning of the incarnation of Jesus when God becomes a man. The angel Gabriel tells Mary about her miraculous pregnancy he says, listen, nothing will be impossible with God. Wait, I'm, I'm pregnant? That, how's that even, that's not going to happen. That's impossible. That's not obvious. That's not, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Nothing, Mary, will be impossible with God. And notice it's not nothing is impossible with God. It's nothing will be impossible with God. It's a, it's a, a future-facing promise. Gabriel is saying to Mary, hey, you better buckle up because now that God has taken on human flesh and God is becoming a man from this point forward, you're going to see some things that weren't obvious. God is going to do some amazing things. He has shown up and now he's going to show off. And the virgin birth here is just setting a precedent that there will be nothing, nothing that is impossible with God. God will make a way. If there's not a way through the front door, there's not a way through the back door, there's not a way through the window, God will make a way through the roof. God will make a way. What are the obstacles that are keeping the people that you love from Jesus? You keep on praying. You keep on seeking God. You keep on practicing the ingenuity. You keep on exercising great faith and saying, God, please do this because God can. All excuses now that someone has died and resurrected from the grave, all excuses are out the window. Can God do it? Think of the, the hardest person in your life. Can God do it? Yes, he can. One final question for you. Who's in it with you? Who is in it with you? You know what helps us overcome obstacles? Others. Others. 
having other people in it with you, knowing that you're not alone. Have you ever done something just totally crazy that you would not have done if you were all by yourself? But because when you have other people with you and they're kind of with you and you're all kind of looking at each other, we're going to do this. I think back to when my wife and I were uh, first dating and uh, she jumped off of a 40-foot cliff with me into a lake. She, now that I know her, really know her, I just, that's hysterical to me. She would have never done that. But because I was with her and my brother and my sister were with her, you do crazy things when you know that you're not alone. And I don't know that if it was just one guy instead of the four guys that they would have said, just do something really crazy. There's a massive crowd around and all these important teachers around Jesus, but let's just, let's interrupt them and just, just dig a hole through the roof and drop the man. That sounds wild, right? You've been in those situations before where, where something happens and you just got put in a really awkward, uncomfortable uh, position, you know, where you're, you know, you're in an instance where everybody's clapping in a, in a crowd and, and you're the last one and everybody looks at you, you just clapped a little too long or you're singing a song at church and, and you really went at it confidently and you really thought you knew the next lyric and the, the band drops a little bit and you sing that next line, but it wasn't time for that next line and you, uh, nobody steps into that willingly, right? And who wants to step into this interesting opportunity where you're going to interrupt the Messiah as he's teaching and performing amazing miracles. These guys did something crazy because they knew they weren't in it alone. So who is in it with you? Identify your crew. Identify the people that God has put in your life and let them know. Maybe it's your connection group. Maybe it's a few close Christian friends and say, hey, here's who I'm praying for. Who are you praying for? Here's who I'd like to bring if God would provide that opportunity. Who, who are you planning to bring? And maybe you want to get them brainstorming with you and, and start to think about, you know, other entrances, other ways uh, to connect those people to Jesus. Get them in on it with you. Maybe they can also befriend your friend and you can join them and befriend their friend. Ultimately, we know. Ultimately, it is up to God. Your job is to invite. Your job is to, to bring, to do whatever you can, to exercise ingenuity uh, if they can't physically get themselves or they won't bring themselves to Jesus. Church family, it's a new season for us as a church. So excited about the spring, excited about Easter outside and, and church outside in this season. And we can be bringers together. We've got each other. We've got a God who nothing will be impossible with him. We've got a, a city that, that needs to know the hope of Jesus. And maybe in your mind, it just, there's only one way to do it. And God's saying, I've got some, I got some other ways. I, I got some things I want to do. I'm going to surprise you. And your faith is going to, it's going to grow as you don't take wait for an answer. You keep praying, you keep pressing on, you keep pleading with God, and He's doing a good work in you. And what happened? The man was healed. I'm sure those four guys, their, their faith was just, just exploded. And as you notice at the end, so many people there were amazed at this incredible miracle. They also learned about the character of Jesus in that instance. It's amazing. It's amazing because four men exercised faith and their faith wasn't just about themselves their faith impacted the lives of other people and God did something really powerful in their lives in the paralyzed man's life in the ministry of Jesus in the people of that town it was amazing and I believe that God has big things for Boston we need to keep pressing forward we need to keep moving through obstacles praying trusting God bringing other people in on it with us and let's ask God to do something really powerful let me pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this story. God, thank you that, that you move in very unique ways. That the opportunities that, that, that we have are, are, are things that we would not have expected. You're going to do some things, Lord, and I pray that you would surprise us in this season, Lord, as we prepare in a couple of weeks to have Easter outside, Lord, would you do something really powerful? God, help us to be faithful and to trust you. Lord, help us to lock arms together and be your people and just trust you for the results. 
We don't need to manipulate anybody. We just need to introduce them to Jesus and let you do what you want to do in your perfect timing. So Lord, would you fill us with faith. Help us to keep our eyes on you as we see you in the scripture doing things that, that should just uh, establish precedent for us that God is able and we trust that he will do it. And so Lord, give us faith to believe who you say that you are and give us eyes of faith as we pray to envision people that we love meeting Jesus and like this man being forever changed. And so Lord, stir up our hearts and give us faith. And Lord, I pray right now that if there's anybody who's tuning in right now and they're, they're listening to this message, that they would see the love and the compassion of Jesus for them. They would know that Jesus so loved them that he didn't just meet all their needs right out of the gate, but he wants to speak to their sin issue in their heart. Lord, I pray that we would trust in what you've done for us, your life and your death and your resurrection, and we would trust in who you are and what you've done and begin a life of following you. So Lord, do your work in our hearts. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.
sinner, I humbly come to you, my majestic Savior. You have came down on earth as a man when you were God and died for my sins. I come before you and ask that you would forgive me of all my iniquities and forgive me of all of my sins and to give me a heart of repentance and a heart that wants to do what you have called me to do, God. And I pray that on behalf of everyone listening to this song, listening to this prayer, wherever they may be, I pray that on their behalf so that they will know the love of Christ. Thank you for adopting us into your family, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. majestic is your name in all the earth. I love that song. I hope you love it as well. Well, here's how we're going to wrap up this morning. Take a minute with the connection card. Let us know that you are here. Let us know how we can pray for you. We really do pray for you uh, each week. So, so please take a minute and fill that out. Let us know uh, how we can partner with you in prayer. Secondly, uh, we want to give you an opportunity to give back to the, to the ministry. So there'll be a link there for the giving. And, and again, we really do uh, appreciate that uh, so much. And also, guys, just a couple weeks, Easter is going to be here. And if you were here with us in the fall, you know just how unique and special and, and really soul-inflating that time was. Guys, we're coming together again. And so we want to give you the opportunity. Now's the time for the church to be the church and to step up. And so our reach teams are looking for volunteers. We have a spot for you. No matter what your gift is, no matter what your buy-in level is, we have a place for you. So you can click the link there in the chat as well and let us know how you would like to volunteer for Easter and through the spring as we continue to gather outside here in the parking lot. It's going to be really beautiful and we expect God to do some beautiful things. Well, as we wrap up, uh, as always, don't turn it off just yet. We want you to take a minute with that reflection moment and let God do what only God can do. God bless you guys. We'll see you here next week.